Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Bibles, go ahead and do that, whether it's in paper form like this, or whether that's on an app or on a smart device, go ahead and open your Bibles and find your way to Haggai. Haggai, chapter 2, we're actually going to read just the last bit of chapter 1, but you'll be right there, it should all be pretty much on one page, and it's just a few words at the beginning. But let's hear this today. Haggai. I'm going to read the end of chapter 1, verse 15. In the second year of King Darius, now we're in chapter 2, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when, I, when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desired of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant shalom, peace, wholeness, declares the Lord Almighty. This is the word of God. For the people of God, and our response is, thanks be to God. After the Battle of Gettysburg, they were going to commemorate it as a battlefield, as a place where men gave their lives for the good of the country, for the cause that they were fighting for. And at that scene, one of the most well-known speeches in American history was given. Anybody want to take a guess at what it was? Gettysburg Address. Very good. Now, many of us realize how short the Gettysburg Address is. Probably say it in a minute or two. But there is something that happened in the genius of who Abraham Lincoln was that really took in those short few sentences, really only about three paragraphs, that just glued some things together and solidified some incredible things. And he, he did this by reaching into the past, four score and seven years ago, 
Our forefathers brought forth. So he, he brings the past all the way back to the forefathers. and They would have known that. And he glues it into the present. And the next chapter begins to talk about the battle that had taken place right there. And how there's no way for us to consecrate it because they have already consecrated it with the blood of their lives. And then connects that and glues that onto this great challenge for the future. To see if it will remain a government of the people, by the people, for the people. This gluing of the past into the present, into a challenging future, is really, I think, the brilliance that Haggai does right here in this short sermon that he proclaims in this time, not just to the leaders, but to all the people. We see this here. He begins and give, there's a very specific date that is given. And the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. So whose word is this that's being proclaimed? The word of the Lord. The word of Yahweh. The God of Israel. It comes through the prophet. We need to remember that comes through the prophet. And it comes and it says very specifically, Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah. To Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And then to the remnant of the people. If you're not aware of this, just like after the Gettysburg Address, this horrific battle that took place where many lives were lost. We enter into this story after a horrific time period in the history of Israel. You see, we talked some last week about how God had them build a temple so because He's a God who longs to be in the midst of people. He doesn't like to be way far off and, and just kind of look down. That's, a, that's, that's pagan gods. Our God is a God who longs to be with us and in the midst of us. And Israel had a varied history, a checkered history, highs and lows, of whether they participated in this God being with them or whether they would run after other gods and other nations. Sometimes in the form of politics, sometimes in the form of kings would marry, sometimes just because they were surrounded by a culture that was different. But eventually, God went before them into exile in Babylon. Babylon came and conquered Jerusalem and led off captive the city of Jerusalem. And they spent 70 years there. Then they were had a change in world power where Babylon was overthrown by Persia. And one of the ideas that the Persian king had was, let's get all these people on our side, let's send them home, and let's help them rebuild their cities. And so they began to do that. And now something has happened. It almost feels like we're missing it. When the, the word comes to this ragtag bunch some say maybe at most it was about fifteen to 20,000 people. And they had to rebuild the walls, rebuild the Temple Mount. And now we jump in and the Word comes and says, Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? 
it seems like we're missing something here. It's like we're missing a piece of the puzzle. And it's interesting because the books of Ezra and Nehemiah and Haggai and Zechariah, they can all kind of be glued together. They all happen around the same time period. And so I want you to see something that will maybe unlock a little bit of Haggai before we go in. So turn in your Bible to Ezra. Ezra, yes, you have to go back. If you have to use your table of content, that's okay. You can do that. That's what it's there for. Ezra chapter 3. I should have put a bookmarker in here. I know where it is, but you've got to get there. Ezra chapter 3, beginning at verse 7. They've been commanded now to rebuild. Ezra had been reading the scriptures to them. It says, then they gave money to the masons and the carpenters and gave food and drink to the people of Sidon and Tyre so that they would bring cedar logs by sea from Lebanon to Joppa as authorized by Cyrus, king of Persia. In the second month of the second year after their arrival in the house of God in Jerusalem. See, around the same time that Haggai's sermon came. Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, there's a familiar name. Uh, Joshua, or Yeshua, that's another form of it. Son of Jehozadak, the rest, and the rest of the brothers, the priests and the Levites, and all who had returned from captivity to Jerusalem, began the work, appointing Levites, 20 years of age and older, to supervise in the building of the house of the Lord. Joshua and his sons and the brothers and Kadmael and his sons, descendants of Hovadiah and the sons of Man, these are fun names, aren't they? Henadad and their sons and brothers, all Levites, joined together in supervising those working on the house of God. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and the trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love to Israel endures forever. Sounds like a good worship service, right? But listen to this. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. While many others shouted for joy, no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping, because the people made such a noise, and the sound was heard far away. Does that kind of open this passage of this sermon up just a little bit. I'm not sure how exactly how far after this happened, but we see that they began to build. They, they got excited. They had a worship service and they began this work and they continued to do it. But all of a sudden, those who remembered the former temple saw something and were, just began to weep because the new one wasn't quite as good as the old one. They would have to be some fairly old people, wouldn't they? I mean, 70 years in captivity, that means, you know, if you were 10 when you were led off, that's about the time I kind of start remembering the way things looked. You're probably in your 80s, maybe older. And they began to weep. And so the sermon of Haggai, 
the word of the Lord comes to them from Haggai or through Haggai. And he says, ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? They've been through such a struggle and now they've made their way home and now they've begun the work like God asked them to do and what they're seeing, they're not impressed with. So what is God going to do through Haggai to glue that past into a present that will be glued into an incredible future? Well, let's look, shall we? It begins in the the next verses. And we're going to use this as an acronym, I think, is how you say it. One letter is going to represent everything. And we're going to spell out the word glue because I want want this to stick. (laughs) Dad joke, you're welcome. I want this to stick in your minds because I believe this is helpful, not just in the story of Haggai. But the first thing that this message of the Lord through Haggai does is he begins to galvanize them. Now, if you don't know what that word means, to galvanize means to shock someone into action. To use something that would shock them, that would get their attention, and then cause them to move in action. And this word of the Lord through Haggai galvanizes them. How does he do that? He uses three times this word, now be strong. And he says, Zerubbabel, the governor, be strong. Joshua, the high priest, be strong. You people, all you people, the remnant of Israel, what do you think he's going to say? Be strong. Now, you and I think, oh, isn't that great? He's just encouraging them. You know, rah, rah, the troops. But no, this is going back into Israel's history where they had been released, or God had released them from captivity through the Red Sea. They had wandered in the wilderness to learn their reliance upon God and now brought them. And He is saying like, they, like Joshua said so long ago, as they were about to enter the land, Joshua commanded the people, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. So this isn't just rah-rah the troops. This is going back into the past to bring that forward and to galvanize them into action. To say, be strong. Be strong. And if there is any doubt, he includes all the people. This isn't just about leaders. This is about you and about me. The Word comes and wants to galvanize something in you that says, you, be strong. Did you need to hear that this morning? That God is concerned and is going to take something from ancient times and going to present to you, come on, be strong. What does he say? Be strong, be strong, be strong. All you people of the land declares the Lord and what? Work. Now, you think, okay, well, that's great. I mean, they were doing the hammer nail thing, I think. You know, they were putting up the temple. Isn't that... He's saying, okay, don't get so trapped in what was before. Remember, be strong, be strong. Let's glue that into the present, and I want you to work. And that word for work 
is used in many different ways in Hebrew Scriptures. That word work is often commonly referred to as doing the work or living the way God has called, had called Israel to live. To live in the covenant. To live in the season of festivals. To live in that way. To live out their faith. Can I say to you today, brothers and sisters, that maybe today the first part of gluing this all together to make it stick is that we need to be galvanized to say, you, be strong and work. Live out your faith. Live out what you believe. Live out the love and mercy, the compassion, the grace, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ into your world, at your workplace, at your schools, in your home. The call still remains the same. The call to live our faith. He goes on. The next thing he, he does is he's, he talks about leadership. So he galvanizes. And then he talks about leadership. Not his own. And not, not Zerubbabel, not Joshua. He says, for I am with you, declares who? The Lord Almighty. This would remind them of that time when they were led in the wilderness by the pillar of smoke by day and the pillar of fire by night. That presence of God. That we need to be galvanized to live our faith, but then realize that we are being led by the One who is with us. Church, as we begin to enter back out into an open world and all the things that come with that, are you ready? Do you need to be galvanized this morning to be reminded, to be called, to be strong in living out your faith, but recognizing that the leadership is not yours, it is God's? We are called to follow after the One who is with us. Next, he moves on. After galvanizing and reminding them of who is leading, he unites them. Verse 5, This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains. You ought to circle remains among you. My spirit remains among you. He's again grabbing from the past, gluing it on to this present. We're going to see how he connects it to the future here in just a second. But he wants to galvanize them, be strong, and live out your faith. Reminded, reminding them who is leading them is with them. And now he wants to unite them. To remind them of the call back to the covenant where God entered into partnership with them to say, we're going to do this together and I'm going to live in your midst. And this is how we're going to do this. And through this, you will become a blessing to all the world. It's a pretty tall order. So he wants to call them, not just galvanize them to live out their faith and to follow after the leader, but to unite them together that we're going to do this together. 
I hope you've had an experience sometime in your life where you just enjoyed doing something together. Whether it was a worship service, whether it was a, a camping trip, whether, no matter what it was, I hope that you've had one of those experiences where it was just incredible to do something together. And you felt that bond that we can do this together. A few years ago, I, uh, I ran one of those crazy things. They're called Tough Mudders. Anybody here ever done one of those? Tim, you were in the military. You lived it. Uh, nobody's done one? Okay. My guys who were ran it with me, I guess, are not here today. Because they were guys from this church. And it was just fun. We got muddy. We got dirty. It's 13.1 miles, and there are about 30 different obstacle courses to go through. And it had rained, and it was muddy, and you walk through swampy areas, and you jump over fire into water. I mean, it's just incredible. You think this is crazy. But we had that experience together. And now, when we talk about it, we remember, remember when we were carrying the log. Remember, Vince was supposed to come with us, but then he had to get surgery and he couldn't. Yeah, so he was our personal photographer. Like, we had a better photographer than the actual photographer that was there. He just followed us around, made us feel like superstars. We had that. I believe that God longs for you to experience that. That's why we still call people into membership of the church. That we do this together. And our call is to constantly be galvanized by encouragement and inspiration from the past. To live out our faith and to realize who is leading. And then to be united together as we move out into our world living our faith out. Lastly, and this is where Haggai glues in that last part into the future by encouragement. Galvanizing leadership. Uniting. Encouraging. Verse 6, he says, This is what the Lord Almighty says, In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the desired of all nations will come. The desired of all nations. The one they have been waiting for. The Messiah will come. And you and I on this side of the empty tomb know who the desired of all nations is. And so he not just galvanizes them with something in the past. He not just calls them to live out their faith under the leadership of the one who is with them. He not only unites them, all their hearts together, to get this moving in the right direction as they're living out their faith, but He encourages them that the one you have been waiting for, the desired of all nations, is coming. And when that happens, then silver and gold don't matter. They're all mine anyways. It's okay. But the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant wholeness, says the Lord. Galvanizes. He leads. Shows them leadership. He unites them. And He encourages them with a glorious future. The thing I found interesting is he says, the glory 
of this present place will be greater than the glory of what ha- of the old the older place the other place he doesn't say because I'll build it bigger and it'll be more immense and we can have he's already said gold silver meh the desired of nations will be here among us Jesus will be with us and so don't fix your heart on a building or on size focus your heart on being glued into the glory and what comes because the desired of nations has come. And that is shalom. In your, in your translation, it's going to say peace. And that's one aspect of it, where there's not conflict, there's not war anymore. But that peace, that shalom, actually means wholeness. That you have everything your soul needs to survive. You have everything you need because God has provided it. The one who is with you, the one whose spirit remains among you, is calling you. Be strong. Live out your faith. Do the work. Follow my lead. Unite together. Do this together. And move on into the glorious future. That's some pretty strong glue, isn't it? Did you need to hear that this morning? Maybe for some of you it is about church. Maybe it is about We're kind of back in here next week. We enter into phase four and and all that comes with that. Do you need to be galvanized today? Do you need to hear once again, be strong and live out your faith, following the leadership of the one who is with you, uniting together around making disciples of Jesus. And realizing that the desired of nations has come. And we can move into wholeness. Did you need to hear that today? Do you need to recommit to that today? Do you need to get sticky in your faith? But I think this works in other ways too. If you walked in here and you're struggling in your marriage or in a relationship... And you're maybe on the verge of just letting it all go. Do you need to hear today, be strong. Do the work. Someone is leading you and is with you. And maybe that work is the work of for better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. In sickness, in health. I choose. Do you need that uniting, reuniting? Maybe it's the work of saying, I'm sorry. Maybe it's the work of finding a good counselor and the encouragement that you have everything you need because the desire of nations has come. Maybe you're struggling as a parent. Maybe it's, it's difficult and you're not sure what to do. Maybe today you need to hear, and trust me, if you're a parent, you need to hear over and over and over again, be strong. Do the work of loving your kid. Sometimes with embraces and sometimes with boundaries. 
Remember that even in parenting, there is one who is leading you and is with you. Unite, parents. Unite, community. Unite. If you're single parenting, unite with grandparents. Unite with the church who wants to help. And be encouraged that you can have wholeness in the midst of this. Maybe in your job, we can go, we can keep, just keep going with this, can't we? It gets really sticky here. Be strong. Do the work. Remember, you're being led. Unite with those who can help accomplish the goal and be encouraged that you have everything you need because His Spirit remains with you. Well, I'm sorry my speech couldn't be as short as the Gettysburg Address. But folks, we're heading in, and I believe this. I've had my heart glued to the church. We're heading into a future that promises that we have everything we need. But I think we need to hear today, as we cast the vision, be strong. Be strong, my brothers and sisters. Be strong and do the work. And that's not just about what you believe up here, but it's about living that out into our world. Be strong. Be courageous. Invite someone to come with you. Invite someone. Share the experience of what God has done in Christ in your life. And want that for them. Remember that we're being led not by Pastor Jeff, not by a church board, but by the one who is with us. And he is calling us out and wants to unite us together in the work of making followers. That's what disciples mean. Making followers of Jesus who believe and act upon the fact that they have everything they need because the desired of nations has come. And so, brothers and sisters, my friends, let us let go of the glory of the past. And please don't hear that as cancel culture. (laughs) But let us realize that the truth remains that God can make the glory of this place, of this present greater than the glory that we saw in the past. Are you ready, church? Do you need to hear, be strong? I need to hear it. So I'm going to tell you to be strong, and I'm going to count to three, and I need you to tell me to be strong. Are you ready? One, two, three, be strong. One, two, three. Thank you. I needed to hear that today. You online, I want you to hear. One, two, three, be strong. You can type it in your little Facebook feed. It's not quite as dramatic as hearing it from here, but I'll read it later. Ready? One, two, three. Be strong. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Friends, good times are coming. We have everything we need. Let us pray to the one who is with us, whose spirit remains among us 
And we'll pray these things in the name of the desired of nations. Let's bow our heads. God, we need you. In this crazy time of our world, we need you to glue the past into our present and attach that glue, that nail, that into this future that you're calling us to. So galvanize us again. Call us to the work. Help us to trust your leadership and to unite our hearts together around what you are calling us to do. And may we receive your encouragement every day. pray and we ask these things in the name of the desired of nations. Before we go, I just feel like today I want us to sing with some gusto. Would you stand? And let's sing Come Again. Let your glory in. I'm open. I'm open. If you're strong, if you're ready, if you need to raise a hand, you can do that. But let's sing this together. Ready? One. Come Come again, let your glory in. I'm open, I'm open. Come again, let your glory in. And now, may you let your hearts be glued to our faith, to us together. May you follow his leadership and may you receive encouragement day by day to know that his peace, his wholeness is here with you. And may you go out and do the work, sharing what God has done for you. And I pray this in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. Go in His name. You online, thank you for joining us. Go in peace. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.